Brian uh, Gelsiler is from Sirius XM Radio. He does some uh, NBA stuff from us from time to time. We welcome him in now. Brian, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How you holding up, pal? All right, yourself. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing. You know what? I'm 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 hunkered down home. Been that way for two weeks, and uh, not going anywhere anytime soon. And knock on wood, we're uh, healthy here, and then doing the best we can to just try to flatten this curve and get this thing behind uh, all of us as quickly as possible. All right, everybody wants to see these leagues come back, and everyone's coming up with all these different plans. <laughs> the one I heard about them playing all the teams in two cities and playing off just seems something that I cannot see the players getting behind something like that. I mean, I know there's a lot of extreme plans out there. That seems to me to be a really extreme plan. I think it is, but I think travel becomes a big issue here, Mike. And I think that's something that, that, you know, ultimately the most important thing is, is, you know, first of all, we're not going to see fans in buildings that, that we're not going to see. So, but I think it's keeping the people that are going to be in the buildings, the players, the essential personnel, the officials, coaches, et cetera, keeping those people safe. So if that means doing it in two cities, that's going to mean doing it in two cities. And it's going to kind of depend upon how long things stretch out. So you buy into this two-city thing? You think this is something they're considering seriously? I think everything is on the table with Adam. What, do you, what, what one have you heard that you think makes the most sense? Well, no, I, I listen, I think the, what makes the most sense is to start the playoffs as soon as they're able to play again in front of empty buildings. And considering that everybody flies privately, have them fly privately, and, and because you're, you're talking about chartered planes. I agree with that. I, and, and, you know, and you don't have to open up. You, don't have, you, know, you, you can think about this realistically. You don't have to open up massive arenas to televise games. You, no. could, you, you really don't. So you know, to open Madison Square Garden, as an example, is an incredibly expensive venture on any, on any day. To open any of these huge arenas is incredibly expensive. To televise the games and to play the games, you don't have to play them in massive arenas. So you could find far more economical buildings to play in. A college arenas, Mike. Small yes, buildings. yes, yes. Put them in small buildings because it's only going to be for TV. Listen, they want to take care of their TV partners. It's been a which we, they're going to do, partners. which they're going to do, and they're everyone's going to watch. Everyone's going to watch. They don't need to be in big buildings. That you know, you, you don't you don't need twenty thousand seat arenas. Yeah, and you had you know you had an announcement, and so many you know listen, there's so much news flying around these days that it's hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. But Abbott Labs. He's got the FDA to approve this rapid test. Five-minute test, yes. Five-minute test. So, And they're going to start distributing tomorrow 50,000 tests a day. Right. 50,000 a day they're going to get out there. Once you get those rapid tests out there, that's going to be a game Testing is the, the key. Testing oh, right. is the key for everybody, not just the sports leagues, for everybody. We have got to test because we need data to figure out where the flow of the virus is going before we can reopen. So I agree with you. Let me ask you this. Uh, baseball players tell tell me, managers tell me, I need two days for every week we're out. Right now I need two weeks. Every two weeks I need another week or I need another five days. How many weeks do you think they need to get the players in playoff shape? So forget the regular season. You're going to start with the playoff teams. No, forget the regular season. The regular season is not going to happen. We all agree on that, right? I mean, that doesn't right, make All right, nope. so we know that. We're going to start with the playoffs. You're not going to get the other teams back together. You start the, with the playoffs. How many weeks do you think of training camp have you heard you think the players need? Well, listen, I think what they need and what they're going to get are going to be two very different things, Mike. 
I think they're going to need probably somewhere close to three weeks for the amount of time that they're going to end up having to spend out. They're not going to get three weeks. They're going to get five days. And that's the thing. What's the quality of play? Listen, people. You think they're going to get you? So you think they're going to give them five days? Five days, five, maybe seven days, five to okay. seven days. They're not okay. getting more than a week because once they can get them back out on the court, once they can test everybody going into a building to be able to, to put a game on with no fans, once they have that testing capability and they're able to do that and make sure they know that people are not infected going in so people aren't at risk when they're going to go play these games, I don't think they're going to worry as much about the quality of play, Mike, and guys being in shape. I think guys being in shape's on them right now. Stay in shape when you're at your home. That's what you need to do. And ultimately, they want, when they can get them back on the floor, they want to get them back on the floor as soon as possible. Listen, the league as it is is going to have to kick the start of next season. They're going to have to kick that down the road. How much becomes the larger question. So they want to do that as little as possible, but they're not. Listen, Adam Silver has been out front of this maybe more so than anybody, and they don't want to needlessly risk anybody either so the second pretty much they're not going to worry about quality of play and guys being in shape you know what if you're not in shape when you're stepping out on the floor so be it you're going to get exposed it is what it is i think as soon five to seven days get teams together let them get a little bit of timing down no exhibition games playoffs are going to start regular season's over and they're just going to get the whole thing started talking with brian getzeiler uh sirius xm nba radio now you figure we talk about buildings. Now, some people have even said, well, they're going to bring the teams back for regular season. I can't see that. That doesn't make a lot of nah, sense to me. Okay. So now you're going to not secure a million buildings, and you're not going to equip a million buildings. So you're going to play double headers in these same buildings. So there's going to be more than one game played in that building that day. There's not going to be attendance in there, but you're going to have the TV people in there. You've got to figure there's going to be at least a double header in each building, maybe more. You would think so. You would think so. The, the only issue there is that if you're going to be flying people to other cities, you're going to have to find safe places to house them. That's that's going to be a big key. And and you know, probably in dorms. If you did it at a college, you could probably secure the dorm. You probably could, but again, you got to go through and make sure those dorms are empty, those dorms are safe. Right. You know, like there's 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 a whole logistical issue with that, which kind of brings us back to the point we made before, Mike, which is maybe just have each team that's going to be playing a home game for the playoffs secure some kind of home court in that area, and that way at least you have half the players at home, which helps you out a little bit in terms of the logistics of finding safe places to put players. You only have to find half as many safe places to put players because that's a big logistical thing. This is not going to be in and out of Ritz-Carlton like it normally is, Mike. This is going to be a very different situation with players traveling and where they are staying because, listen, I don't know that you know once – once we, they start to open things up a little bit here, as the curve starts to decline a little bit, it's not going to be everything at once. It's going to be things are going to be done kind of sporadically, in my opinion. And I think for the league here, you're going to have to make there, – there is, to me, from what I understand, playing the games, and, yes, not playing them in the big arenas because you're right about how expensive it is to open up, but playing them in the smaller venues but in the home cities, I think is something that the league is strongly considering as well because, again, you just want to be careful where you're going to have to house these players and this essential personnel that come in from out of town. Talking with Brian Gelsila, NBA. Uh, Brian, the – Using the MLBPA as an example, the Player Association, they met with the owners. They asked for certain things. They said, we're not coming back until flight is unrestricted in the United States and public gathering is not restricted in the United States. That could be a while. We know that. Have the players in the NBA, to your knowledge, made any demands at all on the NBA? 
there have been not been any demands across the board right now. Mike, it's a very simple reason why everybody's still getting paid. As we float into April 15th and that paycheck, you know, everybody's looking at. And, and I do think my opinion is that that paycheck gets paid also because that's essentially the last paycheck of the regular season. From there, they have not made a lot of demands at all. But you did see something this week that's going to indicate that something could happen regarding the players and givebacks. When you see the top 100 executives uh, associated with the league giving 20% of their pay back to the league for revenue-wise, that is a statement that is made from the top down saying, hey, if we're all doing it, us as the decision makers, it's okay for us to ask. Now, listen, you saw what happened with the Sixers where they tried to cut 20% of pay and the backlash they got was so huge that they went back to paying everybody full time. Pay so the it, the play, and listen, if you're making a bundle, you got to give back some money. That's all there is to yeah. it. Uh, you have to. And listen, if you're a guy making minimum, I'm not asking you for any money back. But if you're a guy... That and most NBA players, you know, were making way past minimum. So uh, if you're a guy making a bundle of money, you got to give a little back. I'm not asking you for 50%, but you got to give back 20% or 10% of your salary. You have to. Agreed. Agreed, and guys are going to. You're, you're, you're going to see. You'll see that happen, and that's what the whole. That's what the whole thing with the top hundred executives in the league are doing, and Adam Silver doing himself, and Mark Tatum, and up and down the line. So that was a statement that was made to say, "Hey, if we're doing it, and we're expecting you guys at one point to do it." And you're right; it's not going to be league minimum guys. But when you have guys like LeBron and guys like Giannis and, and, and Kawhi Leonard who are making all of this money, not only on the court but off the court, they're still making that money too. You know, you have all that money being made, if you're asked to give back some for the good of the league at this point, everybody's got to give. And I'll tell you this, the NBA generally, what Adam Silver's done, which helps him a ton right now, is that he has built a fantastic relationship with Michelle Roberts and the Players Association. The Players Association in the NBA believes that the owners and the commissioner's office listen to them. They feel like they are heard. And that's a huge thing because when they go back for concessions right now, it's not, you know, the, the NFL is so warlike between the players and, and, and the owners. It's not like that in the NBA. In the NBA, they're all pulling together. And listen, Adam Silver, in terms of he took a leadership position. Oh, enormous. Enormous. Okay, a huge leadership position in shutting games down. And, and, and listen, they were in a lot of ways. A, a leader, listen, Adam Silver set the tone for the whole United States. You, Mike, you took the words out of my mouth. Okay, he did. In a lot of ways, the NBA was much more prepared for this than our country. Hey, let me really? tell you, Adam Silver, his movement that night, the night he announced, I knew two things. I tweeted that night that the NCAA tournament would never be played once the, yep. once the NBA went out. I said, you can t- count on the fact they're going to cancel the games. Uh, that same night, Tom Hanks tested positive, and that was when the world changed. And the right. NBA... Adam Silver changed. He was in front of the curve completely as a leader in this country. There's not a question about it. Uh, not, a yep. question, not a question about it. And don't forget one other thing that happened that night, and a guy that's been terrific throughout this entire thing associated with the NBA. That evening, Mark Cuban, who was in on, on a national TV game, okay, uh, sitting there courtside, with, with his Dallas Mavericks playing that night, had a microphone put in front of him and was the first guy to announce, we will continue to pay all of our arena employees. Yep. Everybody continues to get paid. He didn't have to look at numbers. He didn't have to figure anything out. He went that night as soon as he got the news, and he made that announcement. And listen, I, I'm, I, listen I'm not breaking my arm patting the NBA on the back. I mean, it's, you know, there's things that people have complained about here that have gone on regarding testing, and there's reasons for it, and I can certainly get into those. But the reality is, 
that. You're right. Adam Silver has taken such a huge leadership position here, Mike, in terms of what's gone on. But that's been because of preparation. Listen, the NBA has operations in China. They knew what was going on in Wuhan in January. They understood that this was going to get to us here. So Adam Silver knew there was going to come a point in time if a player tested positive, the whole season was going to get suspended. It was going to happen on the spot. He didn't even wait an hour to make that call. Rudy Gobert tested positive, and boom, season was canceled. And you're right, Mike, it set the tone for the rest of this nation. A- absolutely did. And give jo- Jim Dolan, who has the virus, uh, give him credit because he announced he's paying everybody through May absolutely. 3rd, including Radio City and everybody else. Uh, and not, that is a, not everybody's doing that. So uh, that that is a big touch. And you're right about the NBA. Real quick on a couple things. Since the season's over, um, first team is easy. You got you got LeBron, you got the Freak, you got Kawhi, you got Harden, who I don't love, but you got to give him there. And then I'm picking Doncic over Davis for this reason, uh, because of LeBron's presence. And the Lakers actually play better when Davis is off the floor statistically. So I'm not going to put him one. Would you change anybody on first team All-NBA uh, of the five guys? All right, the way you gave me Freak, LeBron, Giannis, LeBron Kawhi, Kawhi, Harden, and Doncic. Yes. Um... You know, it's funny. I would probably put Anthony Davis in instead there of Doncic, instead of James Harden. No, okay, I'd probably put him in. Well, I like that. Davis. I even put Harden in. I don't like Harden, but I didn't put him in only because LeBron was there. That's the only reason. But I could see Davis as the other guy, and then you, I think I think LeBron's been unbelievable. But I think the freak's been the MVP. I agree with you. I listen. I think LeBron, unfortunately, this the, the season being suspended kept LeBron from making a late push because he was pushing him. He, he was. was. I mean, but forget, Freak's you know, numbers are unbelievable. Amazing. And, 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 and he still plays play. all, and he still plays great defense and LeBron doesn't anymore. That's, that's cool. LeBron's been better this year, but that's where he's not a great defensive player anymore. Let's be honest. He's not not like the old days, not like the old days. No. And the freak is, and and the freak is, he is, he is, but I'll say this. I put Davis in the first team because he may be a defensive player of the year in the league. He's been that good defensively. That team has been amazing because Davis has led them on that end of the floor in that way. And listen, I think MVP wise, when you look at what Giannis has done, and and listen, LeBron had that wonderful weekend before the season ended, which again they beat they beat Milwaukee and beat the Clippers. But nonetheless, when you look at what Giannis has done, the thing you got to remember about the Bucks, Mike, they have an eleven point two point differential. Scary, amazing number, and he has had games where he's put up the numbers he's put up. In 28 minutes. No, he's only playing 30 minutes a night. I know the guy's been unbelievable. His numbers are amazing. No, listen, he has. Listen, I I love LeBron, and I think LeBron, to see LeBron, and this is what I I tweeted that night LeBron's diving on the floor at 35 in a game in January or February. And I said, you know what? That's greatness. I mean, he's diving on the floor, giving everything he has, and it's a February night. And that's why he's as good as he is at that age. But the freak, I think, has to get the MVP this year. Now, this, do you, if you right now, they're the two best teams, but right now, you think it's Clippers over Lakers or Lakers over Clippers? I'm still a Clippers guy just because I think they're built for the way the game is played today. I agree. I think I agree. I, I, you know, the, the long wings, the athleticism, and they built some depth on that team. That front office has done a tremendous job. Lawrence Frank and, and, and his guys there, Michael Winger, they have done a 
tremendous job in building this team to what it is right now. And, and listen, I think the Lakers are good, don't get me wrong, but I do think the Lakers, when you look at them beyond LeBron and Anthony Davis, there's a lot of nights where you've got to wonder where else you're going to get it from. I mean, even think about that Sunday game that, they beat, that the Lakers beat the Clippers. They needed 26 from Avery Bradley to be able to do it. You don't really... Oh, Bradley had a great game that night. He a had a great, great game. game. Yes, But he ain't doing that seven times in a playoff. No, he couldn't miss from three that night. He could not miss from three. He made every three that night. He was unbelievable. You're right. I, I totally agree. He had a great game that night. He did. And not only that, Lou Williams had, and Lou Williams had a nightmare. Right, Lou Williams has not had a good year. But the thing is about them, what the Clippers have done, and they understood. The you know, their bench has been year. bad defensively this year, though. You know, that bench has not been good defensively when it's come in the game. In the past, that bench gave them a big lift. It's not been good defensively this year. No, it ha- listen, it hasn't been wonderful, but they also haven't been full strength for that long. Now they're full, they, they were, they, and assuming they come into this full strength. The thing is for the Clippers, they'll always find that third guy. Like, Morris can be that third guy. Harrell has been terrific this year. You're right about them defensively, and the one weak spot for them I worry about defensively is handling Davis. I mean, they're essentially going to have to play Marcus Morris on Davis, but that's a better option than Harrell. That's going to be a very tough thing for them, but they also roll multiple LeBron defenders out there. I mean, they can give you between Leonard and George and Patrick Beverly, they can give you three different looks on LeBron James that make life a lot harder on them. And that's why the third score thing is so important. And again, the Lakers in a Clipper series cannot get hung up, Mike, on not playing Davis at center. Davis got to play a lot of five because you need to get Kuzma on the floor. You need to have another guy out there that the Clippers need to worry about defensively. Because if you allow the Clippers to be able to kind of slough off onto LeBron and give AD extra help, the Lakers will struggle to score. That's a crazy thing about the Lakers, but the Clippers can be that good defensively when they're playing their starters on the floor. So the Lakers and how they do that, and, and Vogel, you know, we've heard Davis doesn't want to play the five. In the end, in playoff situations, I can promise you this, Frank Vogel's playing Anthony Davis at the five. You have to. You have to. You have to just suck it up and do it. Uh, we're talking with Brian Gelsheim. And the East, I've tried to beat Milwaukee all year. I give up. You can't beat them. They're going nah, yeah. to make the final. I thought they could, but then they're going to make it to the final. Um, let me ask you this. Last one uh, for this go around gun to your head and this is an unfair question but i'll ask it anyway who's the nick coach next year it's a, that's uh, that's it's a tough one and listen i give me just I throw mean, out a, just throw out an option just give me what you th- if you gun to your well, head who well, do you think it is Listen, I think Tom Thibodeau is going to be a very prominent name there. And I think ultimately, because Leon Rose has a relationship with him, he will work with him. He'd be Tom a good will, choice. He'd be a good choice. Tom would be a fantastic choice. Listen, Mike, we have, as, as, as from a Knicks standpoint, the Knicks haven't won a lot of games. Hey, Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. Games. He's a great Tom coach. Hey, listen, I wouldn't mind to see Jeff coach again. And I'll tell you, Dolan's not against Jeff coaching. He is not. Ag- I know that. I know that for a fact that he is not against Jeff coaching the team. So that's Mike, not. It's not going to hold him up. But I. But I think it would be Thibodeau more than it'd be Jeff. Now I really think so. It, 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 it's possible. The other thing, Mike, that I, I would that I would think that could be an excellent thing to see, and it's quite possible, is that if they're both there. And what I mean is that Jeff's the head coach, and Tom's the lead assistant, and Jim Dolan pays Tom higher than any other assistant in the league's being paid and you put the two of them there together, and Leon will listen to them when it comes to personnel. They'll all be able to work well together be fun. and how to build a program. It would be fun, and it would be so, and, and to me, that would be the best option there. But I think Leon's going to go back in that direction. I really do. I, I, I think that at, at a certain point in time here, he, the Knicks need something.
something like this. Kind of old school throwback, build some identity here from the ground up and put guys in place who, who, who understand what it's like to do this in New York. And, and I think that's going to be the Knicks have they've lost relevance in the city. And it's interesting because you heard comments earlier last week from Stan Van Gundy saying the Knicks is not an attractive job anymore. The Nets are a much more attractive I disagree. Job. I think Stan's and, nuts. I think Stan's out of it. I, I like Stan. He's out of his mind. The day the Knicks is not a big job is the day there's no NBA. Well, the, the, the thing is this. Nick is a, the the, Knicks as soon also, as the Knicks are the Knicks again, the Knicks are a huge job. The Knicks just have to be relevant again, which means they have to count. The Knicks don't count right now. As soon as the Knicks count and the garden's full, the Knicks are a huge job again. A huge job because the Knicks are the Knicks and the garden is the garden. All true, Mike. But the point that I think Stan was making is that with all the front office dysfunction that we've seen up till now, it's, it's a job where coaches go to die. And so that's the point Stan was making. And I think, but I, but I think Leon changes all of that, Mike. It can. Leon Listen, so it can. Effective. One guy can change it. And I'll tell you, Van Gundy knows how to navigate. He'd be a good choice for that. Politically and being able to navigate, he'd be a better choice than anybody else. I like Thibodeau. He's a very good coach. So I take either one of them. But I think the, you know what? There'll come a day where those words will ring very hollow that the Knicks isn't a big job again. It will happen. It, the, you oh, know, so everything, yeah, uh, yeah, everything will get in the line and it'll happen. Listen, thanks for your time today, Brian. Stay, stay safe, okay? Thanks very uh, much. All right, all right, Mike. You too, buddy. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. Take care. Brian Gelsheiler, NBA.